Stuttered my brother was handy. Hey, fantasy, inception. We talking touchdowns, receptions, interceptions. They got a band to kick her. We need that correction. Talk mouth, we flexing. How many of y'all you collect? We trying to get that winning record. Fantasy. Yeah. What up, though? What it is, hope it is what it should be. Welcome to another episode of Fantasy Session Podcast. Today is July the 9th, and the boys are back in town. As always, if you're we'll back, if you're listening to this or viewing this, you know, with the new YouTube channel that's popping off, uh, make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, what the other thing? Give a thumb up, give a, a five star review. If you get four stars, you're a hater. Um, what, what other things can you do? Leave a comment, leave a review, uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that you told a friend about the best podcast in the world. Fantasy All that. All that. Uh, but on a serious note, man, we want to start this podcast off first by saying uh, rest in peace, Beyonce Taylor, George Floyd, Amar uh, Arbery, uh, Elijah McClain. The list goes on and on and on. We could be here for days. Uh, and to, uh, to honor them, we want to start with a, a eight-second moment of silence to uh, uh, reflect right quick. All right. And, uh, yeah, just rest in peace to all those guys again, Yes, man. sir. Yes, sir. And uh, <clears throat> my bad, man. I need some water or something. A little parched. Who? Huh? Oh, thirsty. And to do our part, man, to give back to the movement, we want to announce the first annual session takeover fantasy tournament, baby. Let's you know get we it. We're going to give half the proceedings to uh, a charity that, that is um, yeah, a part of the determined. movement. Yeah, a part of the Black uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in some, for, in some fashion. Uh, we're uh, narrowing the choices down right now. But the tournament uh, is going to be consistent of 48 different teams uh, with four different leagues with the league rules to be put out on Twitter somewhere on our, and on our website. So y'all guys can go check that out. I think we settled on a $25 buy-in. Um, Something like that. Yeah, I think it's 20 and you will, you will be playing alongside a couple uh, well-known fantasy analysts in here. You know, we got one, one okay from, from our boy Tags. Definitely tag so, um, season be on the Yeah, so we're gonna have a couple couple well known fantasy analysts, man. So you definitely want to be a part of this, man. You know, to to compete with some of the best and also for a great cause. So very excited for this to start. Speaking of some of the best, um, I'm gonna ask my boy, the guest. We have a guest today, not to mention uh, very special guest. Very special guest. I'm gonna ask him a little bit later. Does he want to be a part of the tournament too, man? So uh y'all be on the lookout for that. Uh, probably by the time you hear this episode, the tournament will be announced and um, ways to sign up and all that good jazz. Let's get it. <clears throat> but yes, sir. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. It's been a minute, man. So let's get into some of the news since the last time we spoke. It's been some wild news out there. Well, before, you know, we made all the news up yesterday, but even in the yesterday, it's almost like the season started. Yesterday, uh, Raheem Mustard came out, you know, the doll of the of the weekend, not the weekend, but of the offseason pretty much for running backs, came out and requested a trade. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't like it, man. I feel like uh, San Fran is the best spot for him. You know, he, he's been through like five teams in five years, something like that. And, you know, he finally got his opportunity in uh, San Fran. So I just don't see his value rising if he gets traded anywhere. Um, I understand where he where he's coming from because they're, they're paying him like a special team player, I believe. 
So he yeah. wants, and, and I think something came out today that said that he wanted to um, get, you know, match the highest paid running back on the team, which is Seven Coleman at $4.5 million a year, I believe. So that's very understandable. And I think that's something that they can, you know, agree to. But I just don't see them trading him, man. And I just don't see anybody, any other team trying to give up assets for a journeyman like that. So exactly. definitely was a good news for all the Moster owners. He's 28 years old. I think they're going to end up working something out with him. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you think about it, there's really nowhere else for him to go. We came up – when we remember back in when we were talking about the rookies once they got drafted, it was like really no place for rookies to go that they could like be emerged into just a starting role by themselves. You know what I'm saying? I think he's in, the, like you said, the best position he could be in. And if not, uh, we've seen – shit, I mean, shoot. Uh, what was his name last year? J- Jeffrey Wilson Jr.? Mm-hmm. Went on like a touchdown spree. So any running back in that offense, I'm confident with. So if if it's not Raheem Mustard, I'm sorry. A couple of names that maybe speculative ads um, are is a, I would say Jamichael Hasty also and Salvin Salvin Almond. I think Ahmed. I think his name yeah. is two mm-hmm. undrafted free agents that they got after the draft. And I believe you know most most Mustard's an undrafted free agent and Jeff Wilson is too. I believe so. It's not uncommon for them to get you know value out of their undrafted free agent. So. That doesn't work out for them. Most of it does move on. Then that's somebody that can pay off for you and that you can get for free right now. Hey, speaking of those names, though, if if, if y'all in deep sleeper leagues, you know what I'm saying, I would go, you know, just throw a little bid out there. I wouldn't even throw a bid. You'd probably get those for zero dollars. You never know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't go out and definitely spend a lot of uh, money on Tevin Coleman, though. If, if if that's the shock value and people going out and trying to get Tevin Coleman everywhere, I, I, I'm, I'm opposed to that. I'm cool yeah. with Tevin Coleman. I mean, it could pay off, though, because you're getting super late drafts right I'm, now. And it, I'm, I'm just saying for people who are going out there and trying to spend money, because, you know, a lot of people thought Raheem Mustard could finish as a top uh, RB1. So if people, if Raheem Mustard not there, Tevin Coleman is the replacement, I think te- people think Tevin Coleman can be. But I, th- I just saw something that said he dislocated his shoulder in January, though. Who, Coleman? Yeah, I saw something like that on Twitter. So I don't want to report it, hmm. but I saw something like that on Twitter the other day. Uh, but the next piece of news we got – um. Big money, big money has been a 10 year, $503 million deal to the one and only Patrick Mahomes. Patrick the God Mahomes. That motherfucker got paid. Yo, that shit is crazy, bro. Like, this is like, you don't even see this, like, you see it close in baseball, but this is the highest contract ever for any professional sports player, bro. So, that just and, that, and he got it after his second year, man. So this is only the beginning, man. This is just crazy to see this shit, bro. Like, and you you, already, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. <laughs> but, but Gay wasn't a believer, and look where we look where we're at now, man. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. I hate to say I told you. I think, I'm gonna keep saying. I'm gonna keep saying it. <laughs> uh, we had an argument about this yesterday when we was making up the news. I I think Patrick Mahomes, yes, should get ten million. Uh, I mean the ten year deal, but I think as the Chiefs. I think that is a horrible, like a horrible, a horrible contract for them. I think it straps yeah, their whole team. Right. I think this dude to make to make this dude to make Demarcus Robinson and and um, Byron Pringle some fantasy studs, bro. That's what he had to work with. So I, I don't think they worried about you know the people that gonna have to pay around him when he gets to it. He'll be like in his prime by the time he got to pay everybody, man. He'll he'll be all right. He just had to elevate some more players, fantasy stardom. Like I said yesterday, when Andy Reid is gone, what's gonna happen? He's still gonna beast. All right, we're gonna see. He's still uh, 
Next bit of news, speaking of quarterbacks, Cam Newton signed a one-year deal to the Patriots. The what they call them people? What's it called? The, the the bad people in Star Wars, the dark, um, the, the dark the, force, the dark side. <laughs> what are they called? Or the, what are the, the people with the white suits? Damn, yes, my the mind. Stormtroopers. Like, Stormtroopers. Storm I don't think that's. I don't think that's the. It's the whatever. They're like the White Walkers, bro. Yeah, yeah, even better, back. even better. It is keep coming back, bro. And Cam, Cam Newton, Newton. Is, uh, part of the uh, White Walker tree. So, how do you feel about that? I like it, man. I definitely think it's an upgrade from Jared Stenham. You know, I feel sorry for all the you know the Stenham drafters that thought they were getting a good deal, and at the time it was a good deal. Um, but it was always in the background lurking that Cam Newton may very well go there. I don't know if you mentioned it on our free agent destination podcast, Probably. but I mean that was always like out there on the Twitter sphere, and you know mm-hmm. so. And it finally happened, man. And they said it was because of the COVID. They weren't really able to get him in for physical, so that's why it took so long. But it still remains to be seen how healthy he is. Like, are they going to try to make him be a pocket passer more? Are they going to let him run around like he's, you know, where he gets most of his fantasy value from? Mm -hmm. So, you know, right now I'm kind of hedging a bit. I think I have him at uh, QB 17 um, just because, you know, he missed a whole year last year, so I don't know how healthy he is. He might miss a couple games. So um, just – um, on the safe side with my ranking of them right now. So I was looking at an article from uh, DynastyProFootball.com, and they came up with some like uh, some good stats. So they said last year Tom, uh, Tom Brady threw for four thousand and fifty-seven yards, and we that was his lowest passing output for Tom Brady since two thousand and eleven. And we looked at that as like a bad year for Tom Brady, but for Cam Newton that would have been excellent because he has never thrown for. Um, for that many yards, or he hasn't even accumulated for 4,057 yards since 2015. <clears throat> that was his rookie year, right? Huh? That was his rookie, rookie year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they said last, and then they said the past year, Tom Brady finished 27th month amongst NFL quarterbacks with a completion rate of 60.8. That number looks pretty bad until one realizes that Newton has failed to match or surpass 60.8 completion rate in seven of his nine NFL seasons. Yeah, so that's why I said it all comes down to how much is he going to rush because we already know he's never been a prolific passer in the league, but that hasn't mm-hmm. stopped him from being the MVP of the league and hasn't stopped him from, you know, being the number one fantasy quarterback at times. So, But you know what don't depends. stop? You know what don't stop? Um, time. And you yeah, don't, exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. It just depends how much he's going to rush. If he's, gonna, if he's not going to rush as much, he's going to be a back-end QB2 probably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, he, if he's rushing, then I think he could very well easily be a QB1. Hey, all I'm saying is all my Jared Stidham uh, truthers don't give up yet. Don't give up hope yet. No, I don't know, man. It might be time to jump ship, bro. <laughs> Ain't no way in the world this dude is starting over uh, Cam, bro. We'll see, man. Uh, the Browns tight end, David Njoku, I've seen this coming, requested a trade. Uh, what do you think his possible landing spots are? Or do you not care? Shit, Patriots, um, Green Bay. It's a couple. It's a few good spots out there for him, man. And I'm, I'm kind of excited. I didn't draft him, and I don't think I have any shares in the Joku oh, anywhere. But and so if he gets traded, I'm definitely not gonna have any shares of him. But I, I was thinking about sending some little, you know, some offers out there to see, test the market, see where people are, you know, at, where people are at with them. So um, I, gotta wait, I gotta wait till the heat up. Wait till the market. I, I don't know. Yeah, the key is to get it before it heats up, though. You, I'm pretty. You, I'm pretty, you play I'm pretty, the stock market, you know this. But when you're pretty set at tight end, like I am, and pretty much everywhere, I mean, what, what, don't you have Fant as your number one tight end somewhere? Yeah, I think he's gonna be great. Yeah, you think? <laughs> you won't know. It's not a fact, though, bro. So you're not set everywhere. Come on, always <laughs> hey, get better. 
It's how you think I got 12 rings, bro? Always trying to get better. <laughs> Weird flex, I know. <laughs> I beat you, though. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> hey, hey, every blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, you know? <laughs> hey, man. Uh, without further ado, man, let's um, get into the episode, though. That's all the news. You got any more news? Nope, that's it. Uh, Javar, Javar be here sooner or later. He probably don't got no news either. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to get into a special episode with our special guest, Bob Long from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Um, he writes a fantasy football publication, the Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, the number one Amazon bestselling uh, fantasy sports book and three-time nominated best publication. Uh, without further ado, we're going to bring him on. Doing about- Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, honored to be part of uh, the first time here on the show. So thank you again. And looking forward to your questions and talking a little consistency in fantasy football. You are now yes. a friend of the pie. You joined the session. Thank you for joining the session. De- definitely. Thank you for my truck day for us. Yeah, definitely great to have you on too, man. Like I'm, I'm known as the analytics guy of the podcast. So this is like right up my alley, man. When I got my hands cool. on this book, man, I couldn't put it down. So. Definitely interested to pick your brain about that. So let's get it. All right. So you could tell us a little bit about how you got started with the book and tell our audience about who you are and stuff like that. Just Okay. So started playing fantasy football in 1985. Uh, touchdown in the league because we didn't have computers. Well, I guess we didn't have computers. We didn't have the internet yet. Um, and so just, you know, it was one of those where a friend of mine brought home this little book and said, uh, hey, this book's called Playing Fantasy Football. This looks like fun. We should try it. Okay, fine. So we did. And, uh, you know, long story short, we still have the same league. 35 years later, it's still touchdown only, and eight out of the original 12 are still in the league. So uh, that's where it all started in 2002, uh, that league that I was in that I just mentioned. Um, It's a very heavy – it's touchdown only, and it's very heavy touchdown scoring for running backs. They got six points for their touchdowns uh, or their rushing touchdowns, but only three points for passing touchdowns for both or it's six points split up. So it's three for the quarterback, three for the wide receiver. So obviously a a, um, running back who rushes a lot of touchdowns was, is well worth a lot of, you know, a lot in our league. So that year uh, was 2002. I had the uh, reigning MVP that year named Sean Alexander who rushed for about 15 to 18 touchdowns. Uh, but he did five of them in one game and three in another, and I think another two or three, a couple more times. Basically, he scored oh, about two-thirds of his touchdowns in about four weeks, and the rest wow. of the weeks he got me zero. And my team ended up being seven and seven. I uh, didn't make the playoffs uh, regular season, and my team was the second-highest scoring team in the league. And I'm like, there's something wrong here. Why, how can I just score this many points and be this bad? And so as a, an accountant by day, um, I did some number crunching and realized that if Sean Alexander would have scored just one touchdown a week for me for, through those 14 weeks, I would have won two more games, made the playoffs, won the championship. So that's where the whole consistency thing started. I'm like, well, that works in this kind of league. Obviously, now I'm playing in PPR leagues and other different scorings, and I should create something that, you know, and I looked up consistency and guys like Tristan Cockroft was doing it back in 1999. Uh, you know, they had it, but it wasn't, you know, I, I felt like it was a little complicated, not as easy to understand. Um, it, it didn't have different scoring methods in it. So 
long story short, I worked on that over the last 16, 17 years of trying to create that kind of stuff so that when people would look at a consistency number in my book, it's very simple to understand if they're good or if they're consistent or not consistent. Um, and it doesn't have multiple columns and all the kind of stuff that I've seen others do. Not that I, I'm downgrading them because obviously that's their calculation, but I tried to make mine very easy to understand, very simple to see and, and read and, and know what's going on. So that's kind of how this all came together. I started the book about three or four years ago is basically my way. I've always was always writing articles for magazines you would buy on the shelves. And that was kind of my pride. Like, you know, Hey, I, I got, you know, I'm, I'm on this, I'm in print. Um, but I always wanted to do more with it and put my own profiles out there. And, but nobody was going to try to add that to already packed book that they had. So I saw that I could pre, uh, or I could, um, basically, uh, publish on Amazon. It didn't cost me any money. You just, you just make it and make it into a PDF and put it out there and, you know, they get a profit part portion and I get a portion and, so I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And I put it out there four years ago. So like 65 copies, like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll do that. Four years later, I, was, I sold 3,000 copies. I've been nominated three times for Best Fantasy Magazine by Fantasy Sports Writers of America. And in 2018, won Best Magazine of the Year. So all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow, people do like this. I guess it's uh, so, yeah, no, that's how it all came about. And, you know, like I said, I've just been, uh, you know, incredibly blessed with people supporting me and the industry is great. I mean, that's the great thing about fantasy football industry is there's there's very few egos. I won't say there's none. There's very few ego, guys with egos. We're all here to help each other. We're all here to, you know, share our ideas. And we, we're going to disagree on players. We're going to agree on players. But that's the, the cool part about it. And, you know, and we put our stuff out there and people read it and enjoy it and, you know, pay money for it. It's a bonus, I guess, but that's where it's all been. Yeah. yeah I just want to let you know, you mentioned that you said you wanted to make it an easy read. You did a great job at that because I'm Thank not, you. <laughs> that is what I, he doesn't read a lot. I wasn't, wasn't going to say that, but, but yeah, man, I, that is one of the first things I noticed when I did read your book. Thank you. So can you can you explain to our listeners what exactly is the clutch rating? Is that what we call it? The clutch rating? Before you do that, before before you do it though, I want to know. We ask all our guests before they come, when they come on, who is your sleeper of the year? Like, if you had to say right now, like a sleeper pick that you needed to like everybody needs to go and get. Um, I would say I have quite a few, but I'll say my favorite because he's probably the guy that's the farthest down in most drafts, but I think will be the just as productive. Um, and that is Jack Doyle from the Colts. Um, it Doyle was just rules. three years ago before Eric Ebron was there that he was in the top 10 in both consistency and total points as the main tight end for the Colts. You've got Philip Rivers there now. And let's be honest, Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates, that was a you know machine for fantasy purposes for the years that they were there together. I think Jack Doyle can easily get back into the top 10 in both. And he's going in rounds uh, 12, 14, 15. Um, you know, uh, so he's he's probably my favorite deep sleeper pick of of the ones that I have out there. I like it. I like it. With the same, with the same, um, the offensive coordinator being the head coach too. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Frank Reich. Yeah, good man. 
Doyle rules. I like it. Never heard that one. I might have to go throw some little couple flyers out there. You might, yeah. have, sold, you might have just sold me on, on Jack Doyle. Yeah, it seemed like he was he was the guy, and then they got Eric Ebron, and then you know they forgot about him. Eric Ebron still is gone now, and it seems like people right. are still forgetting about him. So, and he got hurt too, which didn't yeah. help. Uh, last year he got hurt a little bit, and he's. But like I said, I think with with Rivers there, and as much as Rivers loves his tight ends. Um, between you know Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, and, and for the Chargers, you know there in the Colts they have a great offensive line. Uh, Doyle's almost in on every play because he also blocks. Uh, so you know there's just so much potential there. Um, you know teams will be focusing on T. Y. Hiltons and the backfields and uh, you know, backfield there between Marlon Mack and, and um, uh, Jonathan Taylor. So you know that just makes it much easier for those teams that are kind of trying to stack the box against the run. You know, he catches one over the middle. Uh, he's definitely a good deep threat as well. So I really like Doyle this year. Nice. All right, go ahead. What's your question, Lowe's? Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you could just explain um, what clutch rating is for our uh, listeners out here. Right. So when I calculated, when I tried to work on this calculation, my idea was is that I wanted a, a number that a player had to exceed but I wanted it to be flexible based on your scoring method and number of teams in your league. So I came up with this calculation that basically gives you this threshold um, called the clutch factor. And um, so for a typical example, 12 team league quarterback last year um, and uh, with, you know, a typical one quarterback starting kind of thing, um, the, the clutch factor was like 19 and a half points per week. Um, and what that is based on is that on a weekly basis, 19 and a half points would have been enough to get you into the top 12 of the quarterbacks for that week. Now, there were certainly weeks that there was 15 of them that were over that. There were weeks there were 10 over them over that. But on average, the top 12. And then running backs is based on top 24, wide receivers top 36, tight ends top 12. And the idea is, is that – for a person to be clutch, for a person to be consistent, you want them to be worthy of being on your starting team every week or it's not your, you know, a starting team every week. So that's where the one, you know, the 12, 24, 36, because that's what you're going to have from a starter standpoint in that league. Now, in the uh, tool that I have on the Big Guy Fantasy Sports website called the Consistency Report, you can put in that scoring method and you can change the number of teams. If you're in a 10 team league, 14 team league, 12, whatever, you can put in that, you can put in the scoring methods and then it'll calculate the clutch factor based on your league only. That way, you know, who's the most consistent and you're not just relying on somebody's generic 12 team, you know, four point passing touchdown, blah, 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 which is normal. But if you have a six point per passing touchdown or maybe you have a scenario where you give minus, you know, two or three for interception or a fumble, you know, if you have tweaks to it, you can put that in and then get that consistency. But the clutch factor is based on basically looking at what you want from a player each week to be worthy of being in your starting lineup. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like it. So one of the first points I, I seen when I was going through your book was the clutch rookie factor. And so me and Lowe's always, or, and Javar sometimes, but sometimes it's, you got to like put him on the bandwagon, man. He, he's, he's, he's hard. But anyway, <laughs> but sometimes we, um, we're going through and we talk about, so when we go through like our dynasty drafts and everybody's going rookie running back crazy or like just rookie crazy during the dynasty drafts. And me and Lowe's like to say, we like, go get your studs, go get your stud wide receivers while they're out there because 
you already know who they are. And right. I was looking at your book and it said, uh, so I want to discuss how it was only 36 rookies total that reached the 60% clutch rating since 2010. And I, In the rookie season. And I thought that that was a, a – yeah, and that, that pretty much confirms our theory because we always say, like, if you had to go with a rookie, um, we want to go with the rookie running backs because it seems like they have the easiest transition from college to right. the NFL. Good call. Um, so, like, when we saw this chart, then it pretty much confirmed what we were saying because uh, running backs have a 15.3% chance of hitting that 60% clutch rate. Right. So, um, you know, this is, like, for all the listeners out there that, you know, have that rookie fever, even in redraft, it seems like you, you, it's always some owners that have that rookie fever. They want to get these high – um, drafted um, receivers like Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and, you know, we're always saying, like, you know, just take, just lower your expectations pretty much because right. it's a harder transition for them to come from college and NFL than it is from uh, for running backs. And, you know, these numbers pretty much prove that. Especially right. this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, with, with the lack of training camps and, you know, OTAs and that kind of stuff, it's going to be very difficult for – really any rookie and like you said running backs certainly have it easier because a hole opens you run i mean it's not that difficult uh i'm sure it is i've never played running back i'm sure it's more difficult (laughs) play madden (laughs) yeah exactly when i play madden i see a hole and i run through it it's um you know it's certainly more difficult for the the wide receivers tight ends quarterbacks to earn that 60 percent consistency the one thing i will say about uh, wide receivers, you know, versus running backs is for those guys that are in your dynasty leagues and, and stuff like that. Maybe you're in, you know, you're looking at some players who already had the rookie season. But the interesting thing is, is that when you look at the running backs who did earn over 60 percent in their first year, you have names that you expect. Barkley, Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Fournette, Kamara, Gurley. Um, you know, these guys are McCaffrey's even in there. So all of these guys were studs and are still studs. Mm-hmm. And, and so you get some of that at the running back positions. But then on the other side of that, the other guys that have, have accomplished this are Eddie Lacy, Doug Martin, Alfred Morris, Trent Richardson, Giovanni Bernard. I mean, those oh, guys right. fell off the face oh, of the Lord. earth. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful that just because – a guy has a big rookie season doesn't necessarily mean that future consistency is going to be there. Now look at the wide receiver position that of guys who have all accomplished 60% in their first year, Beckham, Michael Thomas, AJ Green, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson. Those are all guys who have not only accomplished that 60%, but have continued to be studs. All of them did. There's not one in there at this point that have failed like you saw in the running back position. So when you look at a DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel, that tells me that those are the kind of guys that if you want to trade for somebody that might be in their second season, I mean, obviously Samuel's hurt, so that that kind of dings that a little bit. But those guys are guys that I would look at potential future scenario being a much better uh, long-term consistent wide receiver because we've yet to see any that have failed to continue that going forward. So just a little bit of an in-depth look at that scenario from those two positions so, perspectives. So for Bessie, you're saying that like, is it, is it running backs? They get more volume. Is that why they mostly, most of them hit that 60% and then when wide receivers get it, is it more based on skill pretty much? 
I think so. And, and just the way they've adapted, you know, mm-hmm. if a wide receiver comes into the league and, and shows consistency early, that means that obviously there's a trust factor, there's an intelligent factor, there's a skill factor. Um, you know, running backs, like you said, are more somebody that probably are just getting a lot of volume and may or may not continue that. Eddie Lacy, we know, came into the, the Packers and, you know, was basically the guy and he got a lot of touches. And then, you know, obviously uh, he liked Big Macs more than he liked running the football. <laughs> that seemed to hurt him. Um, and, you know, but it, but uh, a lot of times you see players come in and do pretty decent. And next thing you know, they're drafting another running back. You think, what the heck? You know, so um, I think because of the limited um, peak age, uh, you know, number of years for a running back, uh, I, teams are always, you know, re-upping, trying to make sure that they keep you know, good, a good stable of running backs. And sometimes, you know, one gets hurt and guy steps in and takes over. Next thing you know, you may never see that guy again. How many times have we seen that scenario running back where, you know, guys sitting on the bench and, you know, the old, uh, you know, just replace him and, okay, we'll move yeah. on and let this guy go. So, yeah, so how you feel, how you feel about AJ? So I didn't see AJ AJ Brown didn't make the sixty uh, percent threshold. How do you feel about AJ Brown going for? I know a lot of people. I like him. And I think he was fifty six percent, so he was very close. Um, and I like him. You know, he certainly got a nice rapport with Ryan Tannehill. Um, you know, he certainly proved that you know Corey Davis is the problem, not the quarterback in that in that in that team. Um, you know, everybody been waiting for Corey Davis to break out, never did, never did. Everybody thought, oh, it's because. Mariota and this and that and AJ Brown steps in and goes, no, nah, it's, it's, it's Corey Davis. Yeah. <laughs> he proved it. It's obviously the issue. Uh, but yeah, I like him going forward. Uh, you know, Tannehill really had a nice, like I said, connection with him and, you know, they need that. They need a guy like him to keep defenses honest because if not, they're going to stack the box against Derrick Henry and that's going to be, you know, that's going to cause issues. So um, it, I think it's, he's a good pick definitely heading into this year. Before we move on, man, I just I, I just want to say, uh, what what did Odell Beckham get? A ninety three percent his rookie yeah, year. Yeah, ninety two percent is man. Yeah, that's, that's why crazy. It's, it's just crazy to, for me to see him going so late in drafts right now. Like he's going like in a fourth round of some drafts. Yeah, well, you know that down year last year in Cleveland, and you know everybody's still a little leery. You know, it, I mean, fantasy football is definitely what have you done for me lately kind of scenario. Exactly, Recency always bias. has been, always yes. will be. I love drafting guys who everybody hates on from the year before. Um, you know, whether it's injury, uh, performance, whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, those were is where you can really get some nice value and guys like that. Um, so yeah, no, uh, Odell's definitely a great value at round four as your you know wide receiver two, maybe even three, depending on how you draft. Exactly. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Do you think he can crack? I noticed that um, with the eight percent, I think it was the eight percent of the rookie running backs that do make the sixty um, percent threshold. More of the mobile, yeah. more of the. Uh, I said my bad. Quarterbacks. It was more of the mobile style uh, quarterbacks. Do you think Joe? Right. But, but you know, everybody now is thinking Joe Burrow is you know next level do you think that he could crack that that ceiling i think so because you know uh baker mayfield did in his rookie year and he didn't have you know he didn't have a fantastic rookie year but when he came into play he he showed that you know with a a solid team around him and it wasn't even odell beckham at that point um you know he could make things happen and make things work um 
I certainly think if anybody can do it, Burrow can do it. Heck of a team around him. We've got AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, you know, Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, their defense isn't that great. They're going to have to throw the ball. Um, so, you know, and then you're playing against Lamar Jackson twice a year, Big Ben twice a year, Baker twice a year. I mean, they're going to need to put the ball up. And I think that Burroughs certainly got the talent to, um, you know, make right decisions and, you know, have to have to throw the ball quite a bit. And I think he'll definitely earn that 60 percent this year. A lot of time, a lot of people don't uh, fail to mention too is uh, Burrow is more mobile than a lot of people realize. So, right? Yeah, he doesn't you know, have he to run because he had all day in LSU. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could have been sixty percent consistent in LSU last year. <laughs> yeah, that team was unbelievable last year. Man. Yeah. Now he's going to Zach Taylor. I think Zach Taylor's going to be. I think I think Zach Taylor's. We're finally going to see what his plan wanted to be. Right. Last year, because mm-hmm. Andy Dalton is trash. <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. He's trash, trash. He wasn't trash, but he wasn't. You know, <laughs> he was just slightly above average. I would say. Yeah. So who is trash? If any dog is trash, who is trash? Mitch Trubisky. Oh, portals. <laughs> I, I literally, I, oh, I started to choke up because I was like, oh, I can't say Mitch Trubisky fast enough, and you did. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Is Thank that? You. Are you a Bears fan? No. What, who oh. are who, who do you own the lead? I mean, who who do no, you? No, I I'm, you I live from? in Canton, Ohio, so I'm Northeast Ohio, so I'm a Browns fan. So okay, okay, um, but I'm also a closet Raiders fan from the '70s. Yeah, you know, yeah. kind of following. So still kind of root for the Raiders, you know, just because I've I've met a bunch of those guys at Hall of Fame time and John Madden, Al Davis, all those kind of guys. But mm. was kind of a closet Raider fan in the '70s because the Browns sucked, and I went to root for somebody that could beat Pittsburgh, and they were the only ones. So. That's kind of what it was. It was like, who could beat the Steelers? All the Raiders can. Okay, I'll root for them because the Browns obviously can. So. Uh, Still to this day, no offense. Yeah, right. You're, you're right. No, I think I think I think Baker Mayfield's gonna have a bounce back here. I'm, think, uh, I'm very I very. I don't know. Yeah. I think Freddie Kitchens was just. I think Freddie Kitchens was the problem. Oh, it absolutely was. Well, there's two things: Kitchens and the offensive line. He never had time to throw the ball. That's why I think Beckham had such a poor year. Beckham's, you know, good deep threat. And, you know, by the time he'd get open deep, Baker's on his back. And it just he didn't have any time at all. And, you know, that's, but that's why Landry did well, because we throw a lot of those short slants to Landry and stuff like that. So I think better coaching, better play calling. Um, you know, they got they improved the offensive line with Conklin and then got this Willis kid from Alabama. So that's obviously 10 times better, maybe 100 times better last year. So I think Baker's going to have a bounce back. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be like top 10 fantasy. I think he's going to be more uh, a good NFL game manager, you know, run, execute the plays properly. I mean, he might have his big games, but I don't think you're going to get like, you know, uh, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan value numbers out of him. Um, You know, I think you're going to get, you know, 250 yards, two touchdowns a game, decent, but not great. Okay. How do you feel about the how do you feel about the backfield with Chubb and uh Nick uh Chubb and Kareem Hunt? So from an NFL perspective and a fan of the Browns, I'm ecstatic because <laughs> mm. they both did very well together. Um, from a uh, fantasy perspective, um, if you look in the guide, you'll see second half of last year, uh, Kareem Hunt 75 consistent, Nick Chubb 50 consistent. So. 
that's what you got to look at and go, I really haven't drafted Chubb in too many leagues. I love Chubb as a player, and he certainly has the ability any game to pop off an 80-yard run. But that consistency, a lack of consistency in the second half when Hunt became more involved in the passing game, definitely was a kick in the nuts to Chubb. And I'm just kind of worried about him when you got to draft him in the first round, maybe early second. I just I can't do it right now. I think it had a lot to do with um, Freddie Kitchens not giving Nick Chubb the ball on the goal line, too. Yeah, but I, they tried. They were they had one of the worst uh Red zone successes last year, yeah. and they gave him the ball a lot. I mean, I remember watching games, and they'd be at the two yard line, and they'd be like, "Chub, Chub, Chub, yes. oh, like four straight down. times, or you know, yeah. Chub twice." Now it's third down. Now they know you got to pass the ball instead of, and that is a little bit of play calling. Instead of like maybe first down taking a shot at a throw, um, it's just like everybody and their mother knew Chub was going to get the ball four times in a row, and he did, and he got stopped. And, uh, you know, but they did, but all they were doing right out the middle, you know, it's like, yeah. well, Mayfield's no pretty bold. Why don't you roll out, you know, and have Chubb kind of, you know, do a little, you know, flat pattern or something and, and get the ball and, you know, move around a little bit. It was just so predictable. It's kind of like Belichick when he coached the Browns back in the, in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, I've noticed from like the, the fantasy community on Twitter that it seems like a lot of people don't care about um, Kareem Hunt being there. But I'm not one of those people, man, because it like like you said, his passing volume went down. Like his um, targets, like he didn't get any targets mm-hmm. like that when Kareem Hunt came, and that was why he was doing so good in the beginning of the year. Because we all know that targets are worth more than you know a rush. So he's just right. gonna be a two down back, man. I, I I don't see the value there, in, you know, the beginning of the second round for Chubb. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot to ask. I'm like like I said, there'll be games where he'll pop off a couple of big runs and it'll be worthy. But then I think there'll also be games where, like you said, it's, you know, they get behind quick in the game. Well, then that means Hunt's going to be out there more. So, and and again, when you're playing against Steelers and and Baltimore and you've got a lot of high-powered offenses to keep up with, uh, that makes it a little more difficult to run the ball a lot with Chubb when, you know, you're down a quick 10, 14 points if you're not careful. We'll see if the defense can – if the defense can hold up, then it might be a different story. Exactly. So going through your um going through your guide again, um we we pointed out some of the biggest gaps between what we call like the fantasy finish versus like the clutch rate finish. And we wanted mm-hmm. to just get your pick your brain about how you felt about these. Uh, so we start with the quarterback. So Russell Wilson last year finished number four in fantasy football in most leagues, depending on your scoring. And and the clutch rate factor, he finished at 16. So like the biggest so that's a that's a pretty big gap, you know. It's huge, right? Yeah, so, you know, this was the whole reason that this guide is there, really, is to show people that just because a guy ranked high in total points doesn't mean he did it on a consistent basis, Uh, and vice versa. You'll certainly have guys that won't have as high points but will be very consistent. Most of the time it's because they played fewer games, you know, like a guy like Drew Brees or Kareem Hunt who, you know, uh, their, their total points may be, you know, 30th because they only played eight games, but their consistency is 75%. So that's what the, you know, total fantasy points versus, you know, clutch or clutch rating or consistency rating, uh, whatever term you want to use. And that's what, that's what this guy is there to show is like, Hey, you know, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I know he's fourth in total points. I get it. But 56% 56% consistency, that's barely over half the games that he's earning a QB1 status for you. Do you want to take that chance when he's right now at, 
you know, QB five, QB six, you know, fifth round quarterback. You know, I'd much rather wait to rounds eight, nine, ten, and get guys like Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Roethlisberger, somebody like that. That you know, I can load up on wide receivers and running backs early, then get a seventy-five percent consistent quarterback that I can, I know I can trust, I know I can count on, like those guys. And you know, I just feel like that means he's kind of overvalued at this point. So that's what that's all about is just kind of showing that difference um, so that when, when you're looking and you're comparing a couple guys at quarterback, maybe you're looking at Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray or, or Drew Brees or Matt Ryan or something like that, you can go, Hmm, yeah, I can wait four more rounds to get this guy. I may do that. So that's what it's all about. We're definitely yeah, team um, draft quarterback late as possible over here. Right. I've never, I mean, I, I get the flashiness about the Lamar Jacksons and your Patrick Mahomes and the Kyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Dynasty, maybe a little different. My, my, my right. Might be a little sure. Different. When we're talking about redraft, like, yeah, I'm definitely trying to get the latest possible quarterback I can possibly get. Last year, I was on the um, the Great White Hope Josh Islands train and I rolled him all the way to a top 10 finish. Nice. So, you know. Yeah, so definitely. I don't know who that quarterback, I'm, I'm thinking that quarterback might be uh, Drew Locke this year. I've been, I've been championing him. But you know we don't have enough. We don't have enough to go off of. I don't think like with the clutch rate or whatever. But right. that's what the pieces they put around him, and I just think he's going to be. I think he's. I think he's going to shine this year. Yeah, I've done like I said. The most of the drafts that I've done so far, I've usually have loaded up eight straight picks of running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And then in rounds nine and ten, I will go back to back QBs and get Breeze, Ryan, Roethlisberger, somebody like that, uh, maybe a Goff or somebody that I've got both of them. And that way, if one of them gets hurt or, you know, maybe maybe there's good matchups, maybe one week, uh, you know, um, Ryan's at home against Tampa Bay or something and, you know, Breeze is on the road against the Ravens. You know, I'll start Ryan over Breeze, you know, whatever the best matchups are. But, um, you know, just when you've got two guys, that you, you know, you can get that 75 percent consistency out of. And then maybe one of them turns into nice trade bait as you get close to, you know, uh, playoff time or whatever that you can dump one off and maybe get a, uh, you know, maybe your tight end gets hurt. You can load up on that. So um, those are the guys I've been doing mostly this year. Um, every once in a while, I'll get crazy just to see what I can do in a mock draft and pick Lamar or Mahomes in round two, just to see what I can put together in that direction. But, you know, if there's money or, or pride on the line, probably going to stay a little more uh, straightforward with it with the other way. Yeah. Um, so, so looking at this list, man, like uh, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, all of these players are players that gave owners headaches at times last year. Russell Wilson, Aaron Jones, right. Galladay, Cooper. So this is like this clutch rate is just a great tool to have. Like so you can make sure that you're not getting players that's going to be up and down. Like you say, you want players right. that's going to be consistent all year. That could be a core of your team that you can build around them maybe and get like some high upside players like Tyreek Hill and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I, I love this, man. Cause like, yeah, the, right. The whole idea of, you know, is most of the time people will, you know, whether they hear it on a podcast or whatever, will be sitting there going in their heads. Wait a minute. He's talking about my team. I was number two in total points last year. I didn't make the playoffs. So this is what the problem is. I didn't realize that. I mean, it's funny how people will say, well, yeah, of course, consistency is important. And I'm like, well, yeah, I sold 3,000 books, but 60 million people play. 
why am I not selling 60 million books? Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so obviously yeah. not everybody knows about it. Not everybody has figured it out. Not everybody has thought about, you know, why did I, you know, how did I have Russell Wilson, you know, Aaron Jones, Galladay and Cooper last year and my team didn't even make the playoffs. And yet yeah. these guys are all top 10 scoring players. Well, because of lack of consistency in their, in their team. First I would be if that was my team and I didn't make the play. Exactly. Yeah. But think you about might, it. I mean. You might have 200-point weeks and then like a 70-point week the next week. So, like, yeah. that's just – it's not going to win your championship. That was a big but, gap. And, and also, like, yeah, like, also, like, casual players, like, they are more prone to look at just the fantasy finish. So, I like this mm-hmm. for that – for the casual player, too, because they yeah. can just take this – and and see that you know Russell Wilson finished number four, but he was number sixteen. So let me look, get somebody that was a little more consistent that finished as a higher uh, clutch rate. So yeah, this definitely can help the casual players and the people that's more experienced. So right, and I also add into the profiles, especially if there's a guy that you know, you know, I don't also don't want people just to look at the consistency number and go, oh. He was only 50%. He probably wasn't very good. Raheem Mostert's a good one, even though I know now he's in contract problems. But, you know, last year, if you look at his overall numbers, he was only 56%, 50% consistent. But the problem is, is that the issue is, is that that's because obviously early in the year, they were matching up him and Breida and, 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 and Coleman. But the last six games, when he was touching the ball more during the game, he averaged 17 and a half fantasy points a game and was hundred percent consistent. We know what he did in the playoffs. He destroyed the Packers. Well, of course he wants more money and he deserves to get more money. And if the 49ers don't pay him, they're stupid, but I think yeah. they will. Um, but so that's the kind of guy that if you just look at the consistency number and see 50%, you're like, why is everybody so high on Mostert? So I also, you know, have people look at the clutch games by week. You can see, Oh, did they start off hot second half? You know, first half, second half. I mean, look at Russell Wilson. You know, he starts off first six games, he's five for six. So you think, wow, this guy, you know, is on fire. And then after that, only gets five more of the rest of the year. So that's the kind of stuff that the profiles are there to show. Not just the regular numbers, but, you know, week by week. So you can see any trends. And then also for when you're in in season um, or maybe even DFS purposes, you can see the consistency by game so it's whether how how they do home versus away versus a bad defense or a good defense or something in between so i I give as much information that people can use so maybe if they draft two quarterbacks like breeze and brady they can look and go wow you know breeze at home is x percent you know consistent and you know ryan is much better on the road so you can start using that data for matchups and in game scenarios so you know that the idea is to give people as much data but also kind of give them a narrative to kind of explain where i'm coming from with with these numbers though well um, i'm looking through um and another chapter you had was the undervalued players who are still consistent chapters Right. So we, we picked a couple of names out. Who are, who are some of the names out um, that, that you like from that list? Um, well, the one I already brought up, obviously, which is Raheem Mostert. Um, but another guy keeping with the, the running back scenarios is Ronald Jones. Um, you know, everybody has been down on Ronald Jones. And last year, again, not super high consistency for the season. But when you look at the um, nine games where he had 15 or more touches or basically where he was the man, he was more the bell cow back. He averaged 14.4 fantasy points per game, 78% consistent. Uh, And yet this guy, this kid's going off the board at, you know, running back 33. 
So I'm drafting as my RB three in most leagues. He'll probably be at least my flex player. And, you know, they didn't go out and get a, you know, um, anybody in the free agency and they could have Devontae Freeman still sitting out there. So they obviously believe in this kid. They did get a, a rookie backup and everybody, that's where everybody's down on Jones, but they let Peyton Barber go. So they had to get somebody in the backfield behind him. They didn't want to pay big money free agency. So they draft a rookie. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn may be very good and maybe, you know, give him time to take a, take a breather now and then. But I think Jones is a great value. You can get, you know, later in the rounds, get him as your backup running back. But you might be starting in your flex. Or you may be in your starting running back at some point. But I really love Mostert and Jones this year and James White's in there as well. Uh, but yes. definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, you made a great point. I think you made a great point, too, because not only, like you say, in the games that he received a certain amount of touches, he did good. But a lot of people are so high on Keyshawn Vaughn, fail oh, to yeah. realize that Bruce Arians does not really deploy these rookie and young running backs, you know, to mm-hmm. start their career. People forget that David Johnson didn't start until the second half of the year of his rookie year when he, you know, when he blew up in Arizona. So, right. you know, you got that paired with the fact that Ronald Jones actually did do good when he got the opportunity last year. Right. And I think that he's a great value. Like going that late, like that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't feel the same way because I feel like they went out of their way sometimes to not give Ronald Jones the ball. You know what I mean? Like if you're going, if you're giving Peyton the Peyton Barber twenty plus carries over Ronald Jones, I feel like you're going out of your way not to give Ronald Jones the ball. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I just feel like if it's you know they're trying to win this year and it's it's Super Bowl or nothing with them. So if Ronald Jones come up with any shortcoming, and then Vaughn is just you know Vaughn is just a you know a decent running back doing his job as a rookie, gaining, falling forward when he's rushing forward to gain the SBR. If Ronald Jones is not that big of a guy, then I feel like they're gonna just put Vaughn in to be the son of Michelle, and I guess Ronald Jones could be. James White, so it could it could work out for both. I mean, Ronald Jones really ain't. I mean, he did good in the passing game, but he's really not known as a passing down back. And oh, yeah, see that I mean, video he, he just put out on Twitter. Yeah, like he. I mean, he could catch catching the ball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. He's not really a pass catcher back. He did do good in yards at the contact per target and stuff, and just yards at the contact on the ground. But I, I mean, I don't. Ronald Jones looked good on film. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what a lot of people are seeing, but he looked good. And I think I got Gabe to mention last year. He was like the biggest Rojo hitter ever last year. But I got him to even admit that he was the best running back back there last year. And yeah. Yes, he was. He should have got the ball over Peyton Barber. That's I'm all not the doing. biggest Rojo guy, but he's going out the vine. So that is – that is, uh, yeah. you know, I'm a value guy. I'm, I'm the person that walks in the clothing store, walk past all the clothes, straight <laughs> to clearance, shop at clearance, and then go out. So He's not yeah, lying. Yeah, either. yeah. He is not lying. You can't yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's value, right? Uh, I, got I can agree with Dan. Another player that, that that was on your list that I like a lot going into this year, and I don't know why people are so sour on him, especially he's in his last year of the contract, so I feel like they're going to run him into the ground. Um, Leonard Fournette from the Jaguars. He finished as a top 10 back last year and top four in your clutch rate factor, and he didn't score the, he, he didn't score the touchdown. That was the only thing that kept him from being a, potentially a top five uh, running back last year. Yeah, right. De- definitely. If he would have been yeah, – No, I'm, I'm definitely high on Leonard Fournette, and as you said, man, people are so down on him. And I think it's because, you know, there were offseason trade talks and the Jaguars didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So at that point, people were like – Okay, they're done with him. Well, that's fine. But but like you said, he's in his contract year. 
So if he goes kicks ass, Jaguars are they're exactly. stupid at that point because now you've just lost the guy you could have signed, probably got a decent long-term deal, didn't wouldn't have to pay him, you know. But if he goes out and, and puts up pretty much even the same numbers, even if he matches the numbers consistency-wise, he was 93%. You can't get too much better than that. Yep. Um, and so, like I said, you're getting him as like RB 16. I mean, so you're, you don't even have to even draft him as your RB one. In fact, I was just in, I'm in a mock draft and I, I took Zeke at number three overall and got four net at the end of the second round as my second bat. Great like, start. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, it's mock exactly. I'm not going to win anything, but I was like, <laughs> man, I hope I get that in some of my other leagues. I have for money. I play it. Exactly. Yeah, that it was it was going like that last year. I, I want to. I believe I had a yeah. I had Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. I got him as my second running back last year. Like so. yeah, because of because of well, and just because he was such a head case the year before. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I didn't draft him at all last year. I was so tired of his antics. And then he becomes like this model citizen and doesn't do anything wrong. Runs like crazy. I'm like, damn it! I knew he was going to do that. So I'm almost worried to take him this year because he might do something stupid. I don't know. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I think he's a great value. I think positive progression like, is coming. He he's literally only scored three rushing touchdowns. Last right. Year. And he no did way. all that. Yeah, right. He did all no those way. numbers with just three rushing touchdowns. So. No way you can get that amount of volume and only score three touchdowns. The the what you what, what's your go ahead and say your slogan, Lowe's? The, the regression is gonna come to the mean eventually. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. And, and, positive uh, regression. Uh, Sorry, but uh, Fournette already did something stupid this year. Once the team came out and said, Minshew is our quarterback, <laughs> he went the next week and said, we need competition at quarterback. We need to see Cam Newton. <laughs> and then, what are you and doing? Then, right. It, then the team came out and said, yeah, we're not going to resign this guy. That's it. <laughs> I think he was just trying to find his way out of there because everybody else is leaving. I think he wants his way out of there. I think he knows, yeah. like you said, like I said, he's in a proven year, and so – He's gonna run like like no other. I think he's not. I think, I think so too. In totally shape, not, he's not gonna be playing around because he knows if he shows out bad this year, it messes up the money. And at, at the end of the day, that's what it all boils down to. Oh yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, all right. So where where are you taking him, Dan? You're taking him. We're talking redraft. You're taking him. Like around around. Hopefully. And so so who that's before and after? That's like right around the girlies, Le'Veon Bell picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. I think I would take okay. Gurley over him. Yes, definitely. Yeah, the guy um, that has a Falcons hat on. I get it. Yes, sir. And not a Homer pick. Not a Homer pick. I swear. <laughs> I want, I want, just for the volume, like he has no competition back there. But I mean, you can't. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah, you can say the same thing the about Le'Veon Bell. You can say the same thing about Bell. I take no, Fournette after Stop the pass. Squeeze Le'Veon Bell in these conversations. <laughs> it's not going to work. I'll, t- I'll take Fournette after. <laughs> Some of the pass catching backs are gone because yeah. I take Bell. It's only going to be hired. He was ranked 16 last year. He's going to be higher than that this year, bro. You got if yeah. You don't he has, that, he's struggling to touch down. Let the value fall to me. Let the value fall to me, Gabe. Yeah, I, I still Gabe. have two words when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase. Exactly. Exactly. There's the problem. But but the, I was so mad the with Denzel Mims went there. The, the, the thing is with Adam Gates, though, like, Uh-oh, he didn't do like, the Drake thing with Bell. Like, he didn't give Drake the ball. He gave Bell the volume. They was just sorry. Or yeah. he wanted to call in the right place. So, you know, Bell is going to get his volume. It's just it's the offense going to be a little bit better. 
and if it's going to be better plays. Hey, Bob, I don't know if yeah. you listened to any previous episodes, but Javar does a thing where if he has a person on any of his dynasty teams, he's going to cape for him. So no matter what, you're not going to be able to change his mind. He's going I'm to try to change his mind. I was just, just, just saying in general, like we've been trying to I think of when I hear Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase. <laughs> Adam Gase. All right, so, so one play I wanted to talk about that you had on there was Jared Goff. Um, he finished okay. number 12 in fantasy um, and number 10 in consistency rate. Um, but the thing that I want to talk about is he finished with five straight clutch games. And right. that was when they um, transitioned to that 12 personnel where they had mm-hmm. – or Tyler Higby was, uh, you know, caught fire last year. Right. So do you believe that – they're going to stick with that that uh, same personnel, or do you think that they're going to go back to what they were doing with three wide receivers? Well, I don't think they're going to go to the three wide receivers because they got rid of Brandon Cooks. So you know, your third wide receiver now is Josh Reynolds. Not bad. Or Van Joseph or Van Jefferson or Van yeah, Jefferson rookie could be that too. But you know, I think that you know they're going to. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton because when you lose Gurley and you didn't really replace him with anybody of quality, um, you know, that's kind of a, we're, we're still not sure. Is it going to be Henderson? Is it going to be Brown? Is it, you know, who's going to be the main back cam Akers? Um, You know, who's going to be the back? So my thought is, you know, two things, one, the lack of a, a strong running game forces them to throw the ball a little bit more. And number two, think about all the defensive players they lost. Uh, so that defense is going to be struggling and you're in a division with Seattle and San Francisco. And, you know, so there's going to be points put up. I think he has to throw the ball more. And I think that's what he showed the second half, you know, of last year is that, you know, they had to throw the ball to stay in games because, you know, Gurley wasn't running great. He's running okay, but, you know, they certainly had to give him a lot of rest to keep him healthy. And so I just feel like Goth is a fine, again, he's a, you know, QB 16, you know, backup kind of guy, but he could put up some solid numbers and be, you know, uh, worthwhile to maybe as a trade bait or you keep and trade, you know, wherever your higher rate guys. So I, I like, I mean, I'm not jumping up and down like I got to have him, but he's a great backup. If you want a consistent backup, just in case your, your starter that you end up getting mate doesn't hold, you know, do the job. Yeah. I think it's that it's going to come down to that personnel. Like if they if they stick with that twelve personnel, then he's. I think he'll continue where he left off last year, along with Higby. Right. But you know, and I, 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 that's where I've been. That's what I've been thinking they were going to do. But you know, it still remains to be seen. So. Yeah, um, and McVeigh's one of those guys that's kind of hard to predict. You know, when you think exactly. he's going to say zag, exactly. You know, kind of like you, know, you see out of like the Adam Gases and you know, and the the Matt, um, uh, who's a guy in Chicago that is an idiot too. Um, oh, Matt Nagy, 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 Nagy yeah. you know, here's another guy that, you know, you think, oh, wow, he's got David Montgomery. Just give him the ball a lot and they'll be great. Oh, he's not doing that. What the hell's wrong? You know, so um, like Davis. You know, guys like that are frustrating to fantasy owners because we're smarter than they are. They just don't. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was coming back to I play Madden. So, oh, exactly. Okay. I know I could run a game. I could know how to run a game, man. Yeah, ask Javar. I got out of that damn Madden league because I was so frustrated because these damn players weren't doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, uh, man. To Let me take control day, of this man, game, please. Yeah. To this day, man, I, I, my, my, my nerves have come watching the CPU versus CPU on Madden, man. They do some of the dumbest things. Oh, my they God. Really do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had, I had Tom Brady <laughs> – and yeah, he had a stack team. Games, he had 18 interceptions. Because <laughs> he's throwing in a triple coverage and his stuff. And I'm like, 
who the hell is running this game? Tom Brady gets through these passes in a million yeah. years. And then I get- Bisky was like had the highest passer rating in the damn league. And I'm like, I there's something mentally wrong with this thing. Bob said, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. I, look, look, look. On top of that, Mr. Bisky has won back to back Super Bowls and back to back MVPs in this league. It's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah I, I think I would get out of that too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not, I can't stand for that. And the number two guy was Dwayne Haskins. So that makes you feel any better. Oh, Lord. Now, now, now. <laughs> I do think Dwayne Haskins is going to have a, a good year this year. Okay. Do you think he's going to be a number two guy? <laughs> no. <but I> think, <laughs> exactly. I think he's going to finish. I don't want to be number two for Washington. I don't want to put yeah. a, I don't want to put a number on it because they're going to hold me to it if I say yeah. a number right now. But I okay. do think he's going to finish. I do think in super flex leagues, you will be able to put Dwayne Haskins in as your quarterback two and be able to ride out through the season. I don't know about that. We got to see. I think. Oh, if they. <laughs> I don't know about that. We just got to see. I, I never question anybody because I've seen people say those kind of things. You're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever in my life. And then it happens. You're like, damn it. He was right. I'm saying, I'm just saying. I mean, that, saying, that's I, maybe, up, that, maybe it's, maybe it's the, um, maybe it's the, the, the videos. I see, you know, him throwing deep balls or whatever. Maybe it's yeah. the off season, but whatever. This uh, is the same guy who said, don't fall in, don't fall in love with David Montgomery running around trash cans, but he getting hype up with somebody throwing a football in the video. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Hey, I didn't even have nothing to say back to that. All right, so we like to end the episodes, or we like to, yeah, uh, every episode we like to um, do a little bit of fantasy football trivia. So okay. we came up with this trivia for you uh, since you've been playing fantasy football longer than probably anybody I know. Oh, this isn't a fair question for him. He's going to know this answer. You never know. know. (laughs) Look at this, man. Come on. Let's see. (laughs) Fantasy football was first introduced in what year? Well, it depends on – depends on the – I've heard two. Um, I've heard 1963 with the Oakland Raiders, but then I've also heard 69 with the Raiders, so I'm not 100% sure. I think it's 63 – when they had the first draft, uh, the Raiders put the Raiders person, people like people that worked there, like because the first pick was Jim Brown and the second pick was George Blanda. So when I created the King's Classic, that's what it was based on, that they had the first draft in a bar called King's X in Oakland. But I don't remember. Some have said 63, some have said 69. I, so I'm a little bit unsure of that. But that's the story of the origin of it. Um, but that's based on what I know. Man, that I would have said it. like 1980. Don't right? ask me. I no. would have said 99 or something. He was right. What was it? 1962 is what Google says. Okay. 1962. Close enough, man. Wow. I had no idea. Oh, wow. And I forget his name. So it's like a weird, like a very um, Czechoslovakian, lots of va- consonants, very few vowels. Anyway, um, but he worked for the Raiders and he said, oh, we should have a, dra-. you know, he came up with the idea of having a draft and, you know, you would get points based on their performance. And so the uh, original draft page, you can go online and find it. And it's got the teams and the rosters. And like I said, Jim Brown was first pick. George Bland was second. Wow. I forget where it went after that. Um, and they did it in a bar called King's X. 
in Oakland. Um, and, and that's the story. And then, like yeah. I said, we, when we set up this King's Classic for the big draft, we have all the top experts come to the Hall of Fame and draft. We named it the King's Classic after the King's X bar that it was that was first created. So, so that's, that's what awesome. That's, that's the story I know. You can look that up, and uh, you know. So, well, man, this awesome, is great. Man. This day, this is a great question. It's even a more like underlying story to it. Like, just no matter how different, how weird or innovative your idea is, start it up and do it. You never know what's going to go. It started in '63. And I don't know when it really, when fantasy football really started popping, but I didn't get to it till like the mid or till 2000s. And I know it was going on for 40 years. Like, so just with Man, that knowledge, I'm, whatever. I'm just imagining, because like in today's fantasy football world, like when I'm playing fantasy football, like during the season, I am checking, even when the games are not on, I'm checking my phone every other minute to see if I'm, is there any news coming out? Is, you know, what's my team doing, man? Like I'm just imagining like the the agony they had to go through to wait to see what they're on the newspaper. Did. Yeah, or you had to wait radio. for the newspaper <laughs> to see how your team did. But like, oh my god, bro, I can. Wow. Let me let me tell you how my week went in fantasy football in 1985. Um, so basically, we had our draft. Oh, we did a live course, and um, I I worked for an accounting firm back in the 80s. So I was one of the few that did have access to an actual computer. And so I utilized a software called Lotus One Two Three, which was Microsoft Office before Microsoft Office. And so it had a what they called a spreadsheet. They didn't call it Excel because that's an office name. So we had a spreadsheet, and I created a spreadsheet, and I put the teams and the and the lineups and that, and that was a one pager. And so that's what I would print twelve copies and put it in twelve envelopes with twelve stamps. And I would mail it out on Wednesday so they could get them on Friday. And then on oh my Sunday, my, my answering machine in my house was jam-packed with messages <laughs> while I was at church. So I come home and there'd be like 17 messages of guys turning in their lineups for the week. And, you know, we had till one o'clock. They could call me. Wow, I just found out this guy got hurt. Now think about it. We had no internet. So you had to watch the pregames to find out if somebody was hurt. Oh, my God. That's the that's only sad. way you knew. So mm, nine, there was many, many times where you'd put a guy in not knowing that the day before they got hurt. Because if you didn't see it in the paper, there was no internet to tell you that they got hurt. There wasn't the Adam Schefters of the world to find out who was traded, who was on the block. None of that stuff. And so oh it, was, it was very archaic, yeah. but it was still a blast because you could watch games now and go, oh, the Browns are losing, but I don't care because I have, you know, exactly. um, you know, I have Dan Marino through four touchdowns against them. So who cares? You know, and, my favorite uh, part. it really changed the way I watch football forever and it really became a big thing when the Internet became big because you could draft online. You could have the thing calculated for you and run your league and that's really made it a lot easier. And I think that ease certainly made it much more popular at that point. And it really started building, but it's still amazing to me. It's becoming more amazing on the worldwide factor. I've got fans, followers, whatever you call them, Brazil, Germany, um, mm-hmm. you know, England, because I can see where my book sells on Amazon so I can see, oh, look, Denmark, four copies got sold. Japan, a copy got sold. England, you know, I mean, all over the world, it's being sold. And that just dumbfounds me. It honestly does. So, you know, it's just amazing what it's become, 
you know, yeah, everybody's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I don't think of myself as a big deal in this industry, but a lot of people do just because I've been doing it longer. As I tell people, I'm like, well, I've been doing this for 16 years. So, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, I've gotten to this point, but, um, but I'm always welcome. You know, I had a lot of people who started writing their own books and posted them on Amazon. And they said that I was the reason why they're like, you did it and you were successful. So I want to do it. Good. It's great. So it's all about the grind, man. It's all about the grind. But you know, I put it out there. Exactly. I, I just know as a commissioner of four fantasy leagues, I will never ever complain again about uh, stressful. <laughs> it's stressful being a commissioner, man, because the stuff that you just said you had to go through, man, like I would literally like that anxiety like, thinking like, about it. Yes, man. Like that is crazy, man. Yeah, like you said, you had to get the newspaper, so I had to get Mondays of USA Today. And you had to get USA Today because the local papers were terrible for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You, know, you had to get that because that was the least, you know, you could rely on it. Um, and then the really tough one was the Tuesday morning. If that Monday night game went too late, mm-hmm. then it, it wouldn't be a Tuesday's USA Today paper being Wednesdays. And remember, wow. I'm mailing these out Wednesday night. So it's like, yeah. damn, that paper, you know, I mean, that was the anxiety and stress of, of fantasy football before the Internet. But Do they have waivers, too. Um, we well, we did, but we did it based on. um I want to say for the first while, it was one of those where it was like, I think we did waivers. Well, I'm trying to think how we did waivers. I wanted to say we did it where you could only pick up a player if a player got hurt. Mm. Because again, makes sense. Makes sense. You know, if not, who's the first one? You know, somebody calls me at 2 a.m. to pick up somebody because they just read the paper finally. And, you know, I, I didn't want that. So it was kind of one of those where it's like, you know, you can only pick up a player if your player was injured and then you could pick up a player to replace them. Just imagine we didn't, the type I mean, of it argument. talked about waivers in the book we had, but it was like, like, well, how are we going to do this properly? I mean, you know, if I do it first come first serve, well, I don't want to take a phone call at 10 o'clock in the morning at work because <laughs> somebody wants to pick up a guy, you know? <laughs> Um, and I was on a computer, but that, you know, obviously there was no internet, so that didn't help. Um, you know, there was no way to timestamp, you know, this guy called me before that guy. And, you know, so I I think that's why we just did injury only. If you got a guy that sucks, sucks. Well, (laughs) mess around. I'll be calling Gabe like, yo, bro, I want to pick up Matt Breida by bro. Tony picked him up two days ago. <laughs> like, God damn it. Carlos. <laughs> right. Nah. Carlos, Carlos, it'd be more like sorry to leave a message. It's 3 30 a.m. I should you. I'm trying to pick up this guy. But when you uh, wake up, been, please add him for me. <laughs> right. Bob, this has been great, man. Thank we, you, guys. We thought we thought you we would just bring you on to talk numbers and, and more about your book but you gave us even, even more with a history lesson going back to the 80s i love all the 80s references i'm 89 baby so you know i love all the 80s references man it's been baby. great <laughs> i know I, I know i barely made it leave me alone man <laughs> is it, uh bob is there anything else you want to tell the people out there about uh where to find you at or anything like that um yeah so you can uh, go on twitter at bob underscore lung to get that um, and of course, uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports is the website. And if you want your printed copy of the book, just go to Amazon.com and you can get it there. Just if you search under Fantasy Football Consistency, 
I promise you, the only guys should show up. But um, but uh, thanks again for having me, guys. It's really a pleasure. And uh, I just pulled up on the internet about the thing. It was '62. Guy's name was Bill Wickenbach, uh, and he was part owner of the Raiders. And they gathered in a New York City hotel, and it was called the Goppel Greater Oakland Professional Pigskin Prognosticators League. Oh, that wow. wow, that is crazy, <laughs> well, man. We, we give all thanks to that guy. We wouldn't be having this much fun Definitely. with football if it wasn't for that guy. Definitely. Exactly. Thanks for yeah. bringing us all together, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Bob, man. Thanks again for coming on, man. Um, it was a blast, bro. And like I said, good luck this year, man. You too. Another great, dope episode. Yo. Yes, sir. Hey, yo, he's that. That might have been. Carlos, uh, that if was Carlos up there. on his job right now, we would have gunshots for you, Bob. You know yeah. what I mean? If Carlos, if Carlos, bow, is bow, bow, it's bow. like tags, <laughs> tags, and Bob, bro. Like that's like they like right here, bro. Like right, right next right. to each other. That was that was a oh. great that was a great time. I don't know, man. I don't Good know. Show, y'all. Shout out to my boy Dewey's, man, because I'll, I'll never forget that. Dewey's too. Yeah, the, that's Ed definitely Ed the most entertaining Ed episode. Workman. Homeboys of the show, man. It, it just sounds like a all I guess, man. All I guess is great, man. Every okay, single one. Out. You're trying to single people out, man. Well, I'm just kind of, <laughs> I was kind of, I was, I'm stuck. I definitely was starstruck with Mike Taglier and then Bob, Bob Long, man. He, he just dropped so many gems on it. So, oh, sure. man, Los, man. You hear this analytics, man? Come on, Los. <laughs> you said what? what? I know you was hyped by all the numbers. You know, Los loves numbers. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I know yeah, Los was hyped, boy. Yes, sir. He's uh, thinking of people to trade for it now. Um, <laughs> <You're> stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But without further ado, uh, that's it. If, if y'all don't got nothing else, like I said before, or about time y'all hear this episode, we've been announced it wherever we announce it at. Uh, make sure you sign up for the the tournament uh, session takeover, the inaugural year. Yeah, man. It's up from here. Anybody here. else? Anybody else got anything else? Man, this is no a great one. I can't those. wait to rehear it. It's a great oh, I think our producer. I think our producer has some words. What, what was that? I said, "Great show, man! I did a hell of a hey. job." Oh, man. thanks, man. Hey, man. That means a lot coming from you, man. Oh man, you're the best. <laughs> All right. Peace. Yo. 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 Yo.